Hello, this is Douglas Jackson with the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development. And today we're with Matt Weaver, the Associate Director of the Policy and Strategic Development Unit of the Community Development Division at the Department of Housing and Community Development. Matt, thanks for taking a little time today to be with us to talk about the Community Development Block Grant Program and resources that offers for the COVID-19 crisis. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, let's step back at first and um, talk a little bit about the Community Development Block Grant Program. Now, that's a federally funded program. What's it intended to do? Yeah, so the CDBG, Community Development Block Grant, uh, is a federally funded program through the uh, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. And so it is essentially a very flexible program that can accommodate a whole host of different uh, funding uh, projects. So from infrastructure, such as water, sewer, housing, uh, to business support, you know, uh, small business financing and uh, different activities, to public services, uh, just a wide range of uh, funding. So it's at the state level, we try to use it to prioritize some of our small areas, rural areas funding. Um, we use it in those similar manners. I just mentioned a lot of infrastructure um, a lot of kind of community health oriented, uh, the rural areas to look at uh, health centers or telemedicine. Um, and then a lot of it goes toward housing rehab and housing production um, to serve primarily low to moderate income individuals. And about how much money each year does the agency um, pass, pass along to applicant communities through this program? Absolutely. So the state receives about $17 million annually. Uh, to fund the CDBG work. And so that gets divided up into several different uh, kind of mechanisms. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but we give out roughly about 15 million, I'm sorry, uh, 16 and a half of that 17 million um, goes out to the communities and that rent funds a lot of different projects. Um, so about 17 million annually. And then do you expect that to grow with resources uh, coming through the CARES Act? Yeah, and so then that's a whole separate allocation. Uh, right now, the estimates are estimates are about eleven million dollars uh, for CDBG plus uh, CDBG to the state. Entitlements will get additional money through CARES Act, as well as the state as a whole uh, will get another allocation. Uh, and that um, the mechanisms for how that statewide effort will flow out haven't been fully vetted, but we're trying to work with HUD as partners to really look at what. The, um, all the funding, funding for the state, funding for entitlements, and funding uh, as a whole state could do to really meet the needs for this COVID-19 situation. So is the Department of Housing and Community Deve Development kind of the central agency through which the governor will work with the federal government to pass this money along? You know, it's, it is truly a partnership. Uh, all the agencies are truly coming together underneath the administration to try to be as uh, collaborative and um, partnering to really make sure we utilize this funding um, holistically and in cooperation. There's not duplication of services, but with money from HUD, yes, THCD typically uh, gets most of the uh, funding from HUD. There is some that go to some other entities like the public housing authorities uh, where other institutions would get that. But between the state agency of DHCD and then the entitlements, um, I forget exactly how many entitlement communities there are, but they receive their own allocation of CDBG and ESG and HOPWA funding uh, that the CARES, CARES Act also has. And so an entitlement is generally a, uh, a city of a certain population. Um, 50,000 
persons. Usually it's what gets thrown out, but it doesn't have to be that. A city can declare themselves as entitlement and go through HUD to become an entitlement community. Uh, but an entitlement community would get their own uh, CDBG funding versus a non-entitlement community would be eligible for uh, DHCD's CDBG uh, allocation. That's a great distinction. Thanks for making that. So typically it's smaller communities, more rural communities uh, that, that, are, that work with the Department of Housing and Community Development for the block grant program. Correct. We call it the small cities program. And so it's one of those that we're looking at uh, the rural areas, localities, and counties, uh, and then some of those smaller cities. Yes, sir. And that cooperation across agencies does sound key when you think about and what's funded through the Community Development Block Grant Program, where if it's efforts that are supporting uh, workforce development or housing or um, any number of you know, business development strategies or water and sewer projects. And you can think of all the different agencies that, that communities partner with and in, in doing that kind of work. So that cooperation is critical. It is. And especially when you start talking about public services, you know, the Department of Social Services, uh, Department of Behavioral Health. Uh, there's a lot of our partner agencies that do very similar to work that we do. Um, and then it, it just takes a village really to try to uh, address a pandemic. And so that's what as a state, we're really trying to make sure we're not only working with our local partners, but our state and federal partners to maximize the funding sources. So uh, on March 31st, you, uh, the agency put out like, how community development block grants can be used for uh, the COVID-19 responses. Uh, and let's talk about that a, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that is an attempt from DHCD to really um, use some of our current CDBG allocation uh, to really try to meet some of the needs of the localities that are uh, either experiencing already the impacts of the COVID-19 or they're preparing um, and trying to take activities to really flatten that curve um, of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And so uh, the fact sheet is kind of just our first attempt to get some information out there. Um, as I said, we're utilizing our current fiscal year, program year 20, uh, 2020 funding from, through CDBG to do this. This is separate from any CARES Act allocation we may um, get. Uh, we wanted to be responsive and try to really uh, start allowing localities to think through what they could do with some federal resources um, and, and get ahead of, you know, what may come down the line from the federal government. We're looking forward to having the CARES Act funding. Uh, and we have some uh, really good ideas and uh, partners in place to kind of start thinking through how that funding will roll out. But this fact sheet that came out is truly DHCD's um, uh our kind of idea is to really start engaging localities now and not wait for funding, but really try to meet them uh, and get ahead of this. What are some things that community might be thinking about now to get ahead of it? What are some of the kind of project ideas? It's been great. So since in the couple of weeks that this has kind of rolled out, I guess about a week, um, we've had ideas that just run the gamut. And it's been fun to hear how creative people can be when you give them the opportunity of uh, just saying, hey, here's some funding. What are, what are your favorite thoughts? Uh, but uh, homelessness and the actual um, isolation or care for those that are experiencing homelessness uh, has been a, a big push. We've been partnering with our housing division and a lot of our affordable and special needs housing um, staff to look at all the continuum ten, continuums of care across the state uh, to take catalog and inventory of what needs uh our partners are experiencing. And so whether it's, you know, a need for a congregate site to do some isolation 
um, for someone that has potentially tested positive or they may have been uh, showing symptoms of that uh, to really try to uh, bring people that are in group settings and have them in a safe place to be isolated. Uh, another discussion around people that are released from jails uh, or prisons, if they don't have a safe place to go, uh, they could be you know, exposed or if they were exposed in a jail setting to have a place where they can be quarantined or um, isolate themselves so that they choose so. So kind of meeting the needs of our homeless population um, and those that are experiencing homelessness temporarily or permanently um, has been a real kind of uh, thought for the focus for now. We're also seeing a lot of ideas for how to help small businesses. Uh, so whether it's these uh, the restaurants and the retail um, or if it's industries that are seeing a lack of um, supply and demand on the other side that have scaled back on their production, or even the ones that are scaling up production. How do we meet the needs of what our small businesses um, and our rural, our businesses in our rural areas are you know, uh, needing? So creating, trying to create some um, resources to retool a business. Uh, if it's a re restaurant that can start making meals to serve to a uh, congregate meal site or a Meals on Wheels program, if they can start utilizing their staff maybe to deliver those meals or um, think through how they can be creative with what their operations are. Uh, we've seen a couple industries that are starting to, um, you know, kind of transform their operations and start making a new product. You know, we've heard about the distilleries that are starting to make hand sanitizer. Uh, we've had a couple bottlers that are starting to look at uh, how they can fill the bottles of their site with hand sanitizer or some kind of uh, product that would be beneficial. Um, heard a lot, a lot about 3D printing and making face masks uh, and so trying to um, increase the supply of the uh, personal protective equipment, PPE. Uh, so we have some really creative ideas around small business uh, assistance as well. And then uh, lastly, I just want to touch on some of the, you know, telehealth. So the ability to still provide some uh, mental illness counseling, some just personal well-being, virtual visits, um, allowing uh, rural area providers and some localities to be able to start conducting business virtually uh, to keep people from gathering. You know, um, it's one of those of just trying to maintain some kind of level of uniformity and public uh, engagement for these localities uh, to try to meet them at their needs of creating the new norm. Uh, this is a, a little bit different for all of us to have to start doing this virtually, uh, but it's a great way to kind of get people re-engaged into a, a process they've known through CDBG, but now they're thinking about it in just a little bit different way. And, and having an op opportunity to be both um, strategic and responsive to an, an immediate situation, it sounds like. Absolutely. And so the response of usually that uh, effort kicks in first, but I think a lot of people are taking that strategy of then how does the response play into what we're going to do in two months and two years and carry on. When you just described all that, I, I was thinking about just our regular approach to asset-based community development. And uh, you've got a community, you've got people in it, you've got businesses, uh, they do certain things. Uh and those are assets. So if you've got a distillery, how do you uh, engage that? The, the, the folks who are run it, running that, how does the entrepreneur running the distillery say, okay, here's what I have at my disposal. How do I contribute? Um, that is community asset-based community development. Absolutely. And then to take it one further, I heard of a brewery just yesterday that uh, instead of, you know, focusing on making beer uh, and the products to sell for the beverages, they actually created, um, a, a site to actually start hosting either um, food vendors to provide like a, a makeshift food bank for some restaurant workers in the area. 
um, or those that have been recently unemployed or furloughed, but actually kind of taking that gathering spot and repurposing it into a place where people can come and get a service uh, and do it safely and be able to um, engage in that transaction and then go back into their isolation. So yeah, you're seeing a lot of people that are being creative in what their normal operations would be and how they can utilize their space, their uh, equipment or their personnel. Yeah, and that creativity uh, and the just the sense of, yeah, we can do something uh, is really powerful. Uh, and when we feel, when something like this happens, there's you know a lot of confusion. We're trying to respond, trying to figure out what the landscape is going to look like. There's a lot of projection of different scenarios pushing forward. But as soon as you can decide on on an action to take and start to plan toward that action, it just it just feels better in a community. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced of that. Absolutely. I think that's the best. That's a good point. How quickly can a community uh, put together an idea and present it to you? I know you're calling for um, letters. People are calling you now. Um, how quickly can we deploy these funds toward projects? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, knowing that CDBG is a um, somewhat of a bureaucratic program, it has some requirements up front as well as requirements reporting throughout the process. So not getting people's hopes up that it's just, just a blank check of, hey, you have a great idea. Let's here's a, a blank check. Go run with it. Um, but what the process is, is to reach out to DHCD, both myself or Rachel Jordan, um, or any member of the community development um, team, really, we're all a team here. And so uh, trying to work through the ideas of what localities have, again, they may have one idea, they may have a hundred ideas, but let's work through ones that are eligible for this program. And then even then, once they've kind of honed in that idea, it's a real simple letter of interest. Uh, and so it's, you know, we'll, we generally have about four or five questions uh, that we tailor to the application. Um, and kind of work with that applicant to meet them where they're at of identifying the needs of the program, the amount of funding they're going to need, um, and then what we need up front to justify and award the program or project. So that usually takes, if an idea comes in on Monday and we can kind of work with that applicant to get all the materials, it doesn't take but uh, as much effort as the applicant has in time. So we can do that pretty quickly to get to that kind of process of here's what we can do. Now we got to approve it. So our approval process for CDBG projects generally has to always be go through the governor's uh, administration. Uh, and they uh, usually um, review our projects and kind of verify what we're doing against our program requirements. And then they make um, the award. Um, and so from that process, we're looking at about two weeks from if, if everything lines up and somebody comes to us with an idea, we can work with them to get that idea and then an award as the fastest and probably about two weeks, uh, it can take a little while depending on the information gathering. Um, but after that award, we do have to do some due diligence to get under contract. And that's where uh, DHCD and our uh, community development team have been really trying to strain ourselves to figure out how and who we can bring to the table up front to minimize the contract period. And so uh, we've got a lot of our um, federal and state agency partners online already to discuss projects so that our environmental review process goes a little quicker. Um, we're working with localities now to figure out that public participation requirement uh, piece so that we can make sure we check our boxes, um, but that it won't delay the project for, you know, three or four months to get under contract. Uh, ideally, it would take about 30 days to get under contract uh, after the award. So 
right there, you're looking at about a six week turnaround, probably as fast as fast as we can go before you can be funded or uh, get reimbursed. Mm -hmm. That's the nature of the beast. We do uh, CDBG um, functions on a reimbursement basis. So there may be ways to prior authorize some funding or expenditures so that as the process is unfolding, you could be providing those services that you're trying to do. You could be um, working with your partners to develop the program. And then as soon as you're uh, funded, kind of roll it out. There are ways that we can work and streamline some of this, but knowing that it is a four to six week process to truly get under contract and move forward. It's not unusual and it's not unexpected. And communities that have worked with the CDBG process before know about the public input process. And across the nation, folks are um, regrouping, trying to figure out how do you how do you get the community involved, make sure the community understands the kind of what the project is, whether it's happening at a council meeting or a commission meeting or whatnot, and how are you still having those those um, you know making sure you're transparent and um, and the community understands when you can't bring the community into a meeting. Absolutely, and that's. Uh I'm sure there will be challenges with that of communication and information flow. Uh, we are still in the early stages. So both information from DHCD to our locality partners and from the locality partners uh, out to the citizens or to their uh, project partners will take some time. And I'm sure we'll see some ebbs and flows. But um, I think what we're seeing is that there's a, um, a real interest in cooperating and trying to maximize what we can do with this funding. Uh, and trying to streamline as much as possible um, both DHCD and the federal government's efforts to meet the local needs. Uh, that's what we want to iterate is that we truly do want to partner and streamline uh, what we are doing. Uh, and then we'll be learning along the way, I'm sure. But, um, you know, the Department of Housing and Community Development does not really do um, public services with our CDBG fund. Uh, just traditionally, we have not had the enough funding to really go around to really hit public services across the state. And so this is a shift in how we have done things uh, since the 80s. And so that's a big, uh, it'll take some learning curves, but we're really excited to come into that space. Uh, I'm really looking forward to utilizing this six and a half million dollars to try to meet some of the needs in a creative uh, manner. Describe a little bit what you mean by public services so that sure. folks understand. Yeah, that's a great question. So that generally it's, um, the kind of working with our nonprofit partners to provide either like homeless services, if you're providing care or facility to uh, feed or house uh, persons, if you are um, uh, doing a food bank or providing, um, generally if you're providing a service uh, free of charge, but you need to be, have someone uh, donations or kind of a grant to help you do that. Uh, we have not funded nonprofit or uh, even our locality agencies that provide some of these public services to folks. Um, and that's what there's usually is not enough funding for us in our yearly allocation. Uh, but we understand there's needs and uh, this is a, a great way for us to be able to adapt and kind of pivot to address some of the needs associated with the COVID-19 situation. Thanks. That's helpful. And um, low to moderate income, uh, the community development block grant program is intended to largely benefit low to moderate income. And you can see how a project that's, um, that's providing shelter meets that uh, criteria. Uh, the projects that are kind of like uh, developing hand sanitizer uh, or, or, or meeting a need like that, um, does that have to be demonstrated for projects like that as well? And how do you do that? 
That's a good question, uh, Doug. And so it's one of those of there are three national objectives for CDBG. You know, meeting the low to moderate income benefit is primarily what DHCD uh, utilizes CDBG for. Uh, we also do some slum and blight removal work um, in a lot of our commercial districts and try to uh, make the area quite nicer for business attraction and growing small businesses. Uh, but then the last one is that urgent need category. So addressing an urgent need. Um, and we're looking really to try to be creative as these projects come in. Some projects that have a job retention or job creation component will kind of push toward a meeting a low to moderate income benefit. So for those uh, distilleries that are doing hand sanitizer, uh, it might fluctuate between an urgent need or a, you know, an LMI use. The majority of these projects will fall under the urgent need category, uh, just given the governor's declaration of emergency for the situation, as well as the heightened both federal and state level of awareness for the um, situation. Urgent need kind of falls into what, I'm sorry, most of these projects will fall into an urgent need and kind of just addressing uh, how we adapt to making folks in these localities as safe as possible. So for a community that's addressing an urgent need, what's your recommendation to them for getting these ideas started or first saying, okay, what are we going to do? You know, it's an interesting question. I'm always happy to try to talk through what other communities have done. I think we're planning on updating this little two-pager in the fact sheet to kind of give a little more specific examples of what we're hearing people do or some of the projects that we fund here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, just to give people a base point. Um, the guidance is very vague and it's kind of generally for that. So that it gives us flexibility to kind of meet the needs of the locals. But at the same time, I think there's, uh, yeah, it's sometimes hard to grasp onto certain ideas. So uh, every locality is unique and some of the situations that should, or you think would pass along and transcend the boundaries of localities uh, uh, kind of appear differently or they, um, they shake out just a little differently across the localities. So uh, even just providing food security to a food bank, uh, you may have one locality that has revenue or access to food, uh, whereas just the neighboring county five miles away does not. So trying to adjust and address um, food security, um, looking at uh, operations for serving uh, the elderly or the disabled, uh, making sure Meals on Wheels services uh, like that are able to have access to food, uh, and then really just trying to be as creative as possible. When you think about um, creating masks, we had um, a locality that had a, um, a lodging, a place of lodging in their community, and they were really willing to repurpose some of the reserve linens into masks. And so then you start thinking about, all right, can we employ people to actually start creating those masks? And so uh, generally when people hear the all the examples at the federal level and across the nation, plus what their neighboring localities are doing, um, they get really creative. And that's the fun part is when they do get as creative as possible, because then it stretches uh, what we think of uh, at the state level that CDBG can do. Um, but then it allows us to kind of um, pivot and maybe see if CDBG could help fund some of those activities. So stay tuned. When we update some of this guidance, we'll give some better concrete examples. Uh, but hopefully we've listed a few today that can kind of give you a, a little bit of a starting point and then reach out and we're happy to kind of brainstorm and you know break out the chalkboard or the whiteboard uh, and kind of walk through some ideas. Great. And I know we've got a, uh, a, a tentative uh, time set on the calendar to do a webinar uh, to, to talk about 
some of this um, in a different kind of format. And we have that uh, planned for Thursday, April 23rd at 10 a.m. Uh, but we'll post that and other information as, as well as the fact sheets. And as we update the fact sheets, that'll all be at dhcd.virginia.gov slash COVID hyphen 19. Matt, what, what else should I have asked you that I didn't ask you? You know, I think that covers quite a bit for two pages of an infographic. And um, uh, it's one of those that just, it's an evolving situation. And we're excited to be um, a part of trying to make a difference in across the state. Well, thanks. I know communities are working hard right now. You're working hard. The DHCD staff is is really rallying, trying to get resources and information out. And that's going to continue for some time. And it's 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 well worth it. Uh, I'm Douglas Jackson. This is Matt Weaver uh, with the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development, uh, where we like to say we're partners for better communities.